Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. It is Sunday morning, 23 October. It's uh, way before dark here, and I'm just looking at the stars and the moon over the river, and it's an incredible day. It's going to be a wonderful Sunday. I hope you get to worship with your people, and hope you find some rest in your soul before you have to get busy again next week. I've, I've been thinking about Psalm 19. Um, I just want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. We'll do a little devotional or quiet time, Sunday sharpening, kind of just change up our brains a little bit about this scripture and what it does is that David takes an incredible journey in the very short Psalm of Psalm 19. We're going to make a little change in how we look at God and his word and our behavior and our, and our lives and how they relate to nature and creation and all those things. Just a few minutes in Psalm 19. Um, we'll have a little prayer. We'll have some music from Cody Carnes and Michael W. Smith. And the good news is Lisa's going to tell us how we can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Hey, thanks, Lisa. Okay, friend. Listen, I am just spending some quiet time this morning. I'd love for you to join me doing that. Um, as I've told you many times before, a great way to get your head on straight for the coming day is to spend some time quietly putting yourself together in the morning. And the Lord has given us many times throughout Scripture this principle that He loves to have the first. He likes to have the first part of the harvest, the first part of the sacrifice, the first part of your time, your money, your energy. And when you do that, when you faithfully give Him something first, it always comes back and helps you. I promise. If I don't have that quiet time in the morning where I kind of get myself prepared, I'm always behind all day, it feels like. So it's always worth it to get up a little extra early and spend that little bit of time in the Word and prayer and just kind of getting my head together. So that's that's why I do these quiet times just to give you uh, some tools, a model, if you will, to see that. And one thing I was reading the other day, I read Psalm 19. Every time I see a moonrise or the sunset, my dad, my mom and dad both would always say, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim His handiwork. And that comes from Psalm 19, chapter 1, or verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. That's kind of a famous verse when somebody posts a picture of a mountain on Instagram or, or, you know, some beautiful thing in creation, some ocean wave or sunset or stars. People often say the heavens declare. I mean, it's just this this incredible, beautiful picture of the creativity and excellence of the designer, right? And 
I think. I get to see that on an even more detailed level in the nervous system when we look at the way the human body is put together and I get to see the insides and the intricacies of 3D anatomy of the human body. And, and every time I'm just like, wow, we are so well designed and so beautifully created and it's incredible, right? Well, when I read Psalm 19 the other day, something happened that I hadn't thought about before. There's a there's a big switch. There's only it's, it's a short psalm. It's only 14 verses, but there's a big switch in the middle of it. He he does sort of three things in 19 verses, or, or rather um, 14 verses. Sorry, he does three different things in that short period of time, and it feels like he's changing directions, but he's not. And one good way to study the Bible, friend. And by the way, if you don't have a, a good kind of strategy for studying the Bible, let me encourage you, get, go down to the bookstore or get on Amazon or, or go somewhere and get you a study Bible. The, one of these, uh, the NIV study Bible is a famous one, where there's some resources and materials in the Bible that, so alongside the scripture, you'll have some commentary or d- the definition of a word, that, and they'll tell you how the what that word looked like in Greek or Hebrew and what that meant, or they'll point you to some other things to read about what was going on culturally or what was happening, and they'll There'll be some maps in there, but when when Paul goes to you know Damascus, you you can see a map of what it looks like. Where where that related to to Jerusalem and Cairo and all these other places in the Bible, and where where was Ephesus and where was Tarsus and all that stuff, and and you start to get this sort of deeper picture and understanding of the book that you're reading, right? And and if you just read that way, rather than just pick it up and read something and try to find something to hold on to for one day, or rather than trying to keep some rule, some rigid system of making sure you get through the Bible in 365 days, or rather than just, you know, throwing a dart at it and popping it open and reading one verse, read it with some purpose and intentionality. And, And I promise you, you'll get something out of it. Don't let... Don't be the person that just lets a pastor or a priest or a parent or a spouse or a verse of the day app just give you a little bit of God's Word. Go after it yourself. You can do this for the rest of this year. If you spend a few minutes every day reading something intentionally, sometimes it's good to read the same thing every day for a few days to just really get it. Like I've said before, Eugene Peterson's idea of chewing on it, eating it, like the feeding on the Word. But let's look at Psalm 19 in that light. And let's just ask a couple of questions about it and see where it takes us, okay? Before we do that, I want to play a song from Michael W. Smith, just get you in kind of a worship mindset. Michael W. Smith, a long time ago, had a couple of worship albums that were great. And one of the songs is called Ancient Words, and it's just about the Bible. It's about what is what does the Word of God do for us. And, and just let's get that in our heads as we approach Psalm 19. Let's have Michael W. Smith tell us about the ancient words.
Never goes out. It's a great, great, great song. If you haven't ever heard those two Michael W. Smith worship albums, I'll put the links in the show notes on Substack, and you can see them. And, and just great music that's not—it's not old. It's just been around for a long time, but it's still very relevant. Okay, so I was reading Psalm 19. Let me just read it to you—the 14 verses—and then I'll tell you what stumbled me up for a minute, and I'll tell you how I got myself worked through it. And that'll be a good little—a uh, good little exercise, a little devotional time. We'll finish with Cody Carnes' song "Take You at Your Word," a great new worship song that he's released. And let's just do Psalm 19. I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of stuffy. I've sneezed all morning since I got up, so my 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 voice is a little funny. But let's let's do Psalm 19. Okay, this is from the English Standard Version. But you can read it in whatever translation you like. Some of the words might be a little different, but this is English Standard Version. Here we go. Psalm 19, English Standard Version. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In Him, He has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. 
Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Notice here, there's a switch from the creation to the law, to the word. Okay, so verse five, verse 6, its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Here's the switch. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Here's the other switch between between thirteen between eleven and twelve. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Here's the switch. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Another translation says secret sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In 14 verses, two switches. You're talking about the heavens, the heavens, the skies above, the creation, the, the good things that God has made and how they they preach. They're a testament. They're a testimony. Romans, Paul says it in Romans that the heavens, the creation testifies basically that it's evidence, it's a witness to God's faithfulness and God's handiwork. And Psalms, David, David here is saying in Psalm 19, there's no speech or words whose voices are not heard. If you pay attention in the creation, you will see some things that can't be accidental, friend. They just can't be. They're too well designed. I can take you into my operating room and show you some incredible things that cannot have been accidental. And, and, and the word, the, the creation just runs its course with joy. It shows everybody all the time. It's, it's faithful to bear witness. And it never stops being amazing, right? And then there's a switch between between uh, 6 and 7, the law. Now we're talking about the law of the Lord. And David's drawing a parallel here. The creation is perfect. It testifies to God's character and his creativity and his brilliance and his faithfulness. And, and also, guess what? His word is just as true. Not only his deeds, the things he has done, but the things he says and the things he's teaching and his character and his nature come through the word. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives you. It does something good for you. Being out in nature helps you. Being in the Word helps you. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. This will make you smarter. It will give you better discernment. It will help you think more clearly and behave more appropriately. The precepts of the Lord are the right, are right, rejoicing the heart. Listen, when you spend more time in God's Word, you don't get grumpier. You don't get more restless. You don't get more helpless. You get happier. You get more joyful and more solid. On your life, you get the ground under your feet solidifies a little bit when you spend more time in the Word. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It opens your eyes to see things a little more clearly. And culture gives you all these confusing messages. The Word puts the glasses on you and gives you some faith, gives you some eyes to see. Last part of my book I've seen in the end of you, I wrote about optometry and ophthalmology and how putting the right lenses on helps you see the world more appropriately and, and correctly. The, the stuff is always there. You just can't see it sometimes without the right lenses. And, and, and the Bible here says, David says, the commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is clean, he says. 
What does it do for you? It endures forever. Being This isn't the kind of fear, although also, by the way, we need to do a study about the fear of the Lord. The greatest book I've ever read about it is Rejoice and Tremble by Michael Reeves. It's just a mind-blowing book about the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean cowering and being afraid and trembling and being afraid like a parent or like a, an abusive father who's going to beat you. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is this this deep reverential awe that you recognize this this God is powerful and he's awesome and he's everything and he is is to be like trembled at but also he is good and he is faithful and he is strong and he's on your side. So yeah, he can be terrifying. If he's wielding that terrible swift sword that the Bible talks about, it could be terrifying, but he's on your side. He's, he's the great general of the army that's for you, that's fighting your battles. The fear of the Lord is clean. It, it's, it, David says here, it doesn't hurt you. It helps you. It, it endures forever. It gives you something solid to hold on to that never fades. The rules of the Lord are true and they're righteous. When, when you follow God's rules, they're just, they're fair, they work, they're helpful, they're righteous. And he says that the sum of it is, they're more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. So basically he's saying it would be better for you to have God's word and be poor than to not have it, to be anchorless in this world without that guide and have everything. And you can see this. If you look at the lives of rich people and celebrities and, and famous athletes and rock stars, are they generally super happy and squared away and have lasting families that do well? Or are they generally not so well anchored? They've got all the money, they've got all the fame, they've got all these temporal things that people think they need, but do they have peace? Do they have joy? Do they have solidity in their life? David goes on, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The, the word of God is better than money, it's better than fame, it's better than food, it's better than honey. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Again, this isn't about, he's not saying, God's warning you better watch out. He's going to burn. He's going to burn you up. That's not what the kind of warning he's saying. He's saying the word gives you guardrails. The word gives you, hey, be careful over there. When people go down that path, they they get divorced. They get unhappy. They they bad things happen to them. So you better just watch your step a little bit, and you'll be safer. Guardrails aren't the same as restrictions of freedom. They're just they're just helpful, right? You can climb over them if you want to, but they're there for the purpose of keeping you safer. They're warning you that something bad is going to happen if you go off that cliff. And in keeping them, there's great reward. If you keep to the road and don't blow past the guardrails, you're going to make it off the mountain safely, right? If you go across the guardrails, you're going to tumble down the mountain and your car's going to get totaled, right? In keeping... The word, there is great reward. And then here's another switch. This is confusing to me at first. Who can discern his errors? He's talking about your own error. Who can discern your own errors? What kind of person can see their own errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let not them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. He's, he's, taking, he's been talking about God, God's actions, God's deeds, God's words. And now he's talking about himself. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me, and I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
I, I was looking at why all these switches in this short passage, and I went to one of my favorite resources about the psalm is Dane Ortland's book, In the Lord I Take Refuge. He just presents the psalm, and then he does a short little devotional. You can use it as a daily devotional. It's 150 psalms, so you could use it for 150 days, and you get through the whole thing. You could do it, you could do one chapter every two days, and it may last about a year for you. But Dane Ortland's book, In the Lord I Take Refuge, very helpful guide through the psalms. And here's what he says. I'm just going to read you his short little devotional thought, and, and that'll be our thoughts for today, okay? Why did, why did David take us to creation, take us to God's Word, and then switch us back to ourselves in this passage? Why? Why did he do that? And here's what Dane has to say about it. God does not want to stay hidden from us. He wants us to know him. We know him through his creation and also through his law, God's revelation to Moses now found in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. David exalts in the preciousness of this word. Is this how you feel about the revelation God has given us himself in his word? How do you approach scripture? Do you see it as fuel to revive your soul, rejoicing the heart? Do you desire the word of God more than a $10 million inheritance and all that it could purchase? Friend, this is talking to us. It's a question that I want you to think about this morning. Like when you read the word, is it precious to you? Do you say, God, thank you for providing me with this gift of knowing your instructions for my life, the operating manual that will help me to, to be warned and saved and, pre- and prevented from harm and, and blossomed and happy and peaceful and safe? Do you thank him for that? Or do you approach it as a rule book or as a, a place to go mine for some bullets to shoot at some problem or some person that's in your way? Just This is an, this is an opportunity to change how you approach the word. Do you approach it as fuel to revive your soul and rejoice your heart? And do you desire it more than anything? And then Dan goes on. And yet the word of God not only reveals who God is, it also reveals who we are in all our sin and need. This is why the switch happened. This this is why David switches from God's creation and God's word to who can discern his errors, declare me innocent from hidden faults, keep me from secret sin, let me not ha- let them not have dominion over me and make me blameless and innocent and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight o lord my rock and he ends the, with the word my redeemer so let me just let me just read you dane's words here this is super important and super helpful dane, dane ortland here we go and yet the word of god not only reveals who god is it also reveals who we are in all our sin and need. The lofty call of Scripture is worthy of all pursuit, yet frustratingly beyond our reach in light of our weakness and inadequacy. David knows this, thus his concluding remarks in the psalm, beginning with who can discern his errors. He closes by praying for his words and thoughts to be acceptable in the sight of God, and he knows that by grace they will be. For in the final words of the psalm, he calls God my Redeemer. But how in the light of this sin only ultimately through the redeeming work of God's only Son, Jesus Christ, who, though perfectly acceptable, was punished so that we, unacceptable through sin, might be accepted eternally into God's presence. Let that sit for a minute, friend. God's Word doesn't just show us who He is. It shows us who we are. And one of the reasons that the world rejects God's Word is because it's a mirror that shows us that we're not. We don't measure up. If you, hold us, if you hold us up to the standard of one who never sinned, of one who never fails, of one who always keeps his promises, 
of one who never abandons someone or never does wrong by someone, who always makes the right decision, who's always wise and always just and always fair and always kind and always forgiving and always merciful. If you hold yourself up to that standard, you don't measure up. And I'm saying that because I know I don't. Okay? So in this little psalm, David gives us a perfect little path. God's creation is mighty and powerful and awesome and scary sometimes. And God's character and God's word is so faithful and true and right and available to all of us all the time. But we have errors and hidden faults and secret sins and presumptuous sins. And sometimes they have dominion over us. And he says, who can help me with this? I need you to help me. He switches. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And I want to be blameless. I want to be innocent in your eyes, God. I want to be like you. And the secret to happiness and peace in this life, friend, is not pursuing wealth and fame and personal development and self-improvement and trying to be a better and better and better person or better and better version of yourself. The secret is to be more like him. I want to be blameless. I want to be innocent of great, trans- of great transgression. And I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock. Why? Because even though I don't measure up, you're my redeemer. You're the one who can help me make this transition in my life. Friend, the secret, the path is to focus your life on him, to try to become more like him, to beg him to give you insight and wisdom into his word and some solid ground under your feet so you can be more like him because he is your rock but he's also your redeemer. And the good news is you can start today. Here's Cody Carnes. Take it your word. I'll talk to you.
Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarnmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.